How many are excited tonight? Oh, come on. How many? How many? How many of you are excited tonight? Amen. Amen. Me too. Me too. This is going to be a really, really good study. Uh, uh, it's going to be great tonight. We're going to start out with a few pictures, uh, a map, kind of give you an idea of the geography and what we're looking at. It'll, it'll kind of help you get in your mind. How many of y'all have a good imagination? <clears throat> oh, how many of y'all need to practice? <laughs> okay, how many of you see a picture of something that kind of helps you think about it a little better? All right, cool. That's what we're going to try to do tonight. Uh, we'll start out with that, and then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, jump into the study. Uh, I was going to try to finish chapter 21 tonight, but that is not going to happen. Uh, uh, it's, it, it really, it, it's, it's broke down into three different sections, three different parts, and we're going to cover the first one. Uh, usually I outline the whole thing and give it to you, and we'll never finish it anyway, so I didn't do that this time. We're just going to take the, the, the first one, the first point, the first section of this chapter, and, and look at this. But the primary character in the, in the whole chapter is the Apostle Peter. And uh, that's, so that's who we're going to hone in on today and look at it. And I think, I really do, I think that, that, that most of us, uh, we connect with him. I, I, I really believe that most Christians really relate to him because he makes a lot of mistakes. And he's impulsive. And sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth. Uh, sometimes he's impatient. Uh, but he, 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 really, he really tries. Hello. And so I can relate to that. Man, when you go to talking about no one greater born of women than John Baptist, I can't relate to that, amen? But I can relate to somebody who tries and sinks and has to call out for help, amen? I can relate to that. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So let's look here in John chapter 21 and verse number 1. Let's start with verse number 1. When you get there, say amen. After these things, after these things, what things? If you'll remember, last week we talked about Jesus showing himself, revealing himself. He has resurrected from the dead. Are y'all with me? You remember that? And, and, and revealing himself to the disciples and into the disciples with Thomas. And so this is the things he's talking about. He told, he told everybody that he revealed himself to, go to Galilee. Say that with me. Go to I'm going to show myself and reveal myself in Galilee. In other words, in a, in a major fashion, go to Galilee. That's where you're going to meet me. Go to Galilee. Galilee is north of Jerusalem. So in Israel, we have uh, Jerusalem down here, and we have Galilee up here in the Sea of Galilee. All right? Does everybody understand that? Right? Leave Jerusalem. Go to Galilee. Galilee was where Jesus did most of his ministry. Most of his miracles were there is where he began, where he called his disciples, the fishermen, and, and started there. So that kind of familiarizes you with that area. So he said, go to Galilee. That's where I'm going to meet you. So after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Same thing. Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. Okay. All right. And it says, uh, and as on this wise showed he himself. And this is how he did it. That's what he's saying. This is how he did it. There were together Simon, Peter, Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, which would be James and John, and two other of his disciples. Some believe it was Andrew and Philip, but it just says two of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. 
They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. nothing. But when the morning was come, uh, or excuse me, when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, he saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. This ain't no ordinary catch of fish. Something's up. It's the Lord, Peter. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Now, now don't, sometimes, sometimes preachers in, in, in preaching a sermon will, will, will embellish a little bit or uh, make something out of nothing. Uh, in other words, we know that, that Peter's being disobedient here. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, but I, I've heard preaching on this. There's no telling what you'll do when you backslide on God. You'll find yourself naked where you ain't. Listen, that's not the deal. They would take their outer coat off. They would take their outer coat off pulling in the nets because it was dangerous. The nets would get hung up in your, in your clothing and could pull you over and drown. That's what that's about. This, this situation, he was in a fisherman's type form in this, in this area. So if everybody gets that, say amen. amen. Don't make something when it's nothing, okay? All right. It said, did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring in the fish ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Say it with me. Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for an awesome crowd tonight. Thank you for hungry people. Thank you for those who, who are here to learn and to grow. And, and Lord, I, I pray that you'll give me the ability, give me the unction from uh, on high, the Holy Spirit to move through my heart and my mind. Don't let me say anything foolish. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. But don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that you'll anoint every ear in the congregation that they may hear and understand and comprehend what we're trying to teach tonight. I pray for your perfect will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, if you did not get a lesson, I, I, I forgot that I, I did lessons tonight. So if you need one, do we have anybody to pass them things out? Brother Johnny, are y'all out there anywhere in the balcony? Everybody good? Anybody need a lesson? We'll, we'll run one to you real quick. Anybody need a lesson right here in the middle? Uh, right here in the middle. It's my fault. I forgot to tell you we had them uh, this week. Brother Jeff, there's some over here. Uh, way over, Yeah, we got a bunch over here. <clears throat> over here. Anybody in the balcony? Everybody good in the balcony? All right, everybody up on the shelf. There we go. Closer to the Lord. Amen. That's the holy people. Amen. All right. All right. Now, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. 
Let's see how my clicker's going to work. All right. Uh, I guess this. Where's that button? Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And make sure everybody's got a lesson, and then you can look up here at the map. Everybody get one. Everybody get one. All right. Isn't it good to be saved? All right. I'm going to show you some pictures of when we went to Israel. Uh, and, and it's going to, it's going to kind of, it's going to kind of click in your head part of this lesson and, and it makes a whole lot more sense. What you're looking at right here is the northern, the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Uh, Capernaum is right here. Uh, this is where you're going to find, you're going to find, I'm going to show you a picture of what they believe is Peter's house or the village that Peter was from and the speculation there, speculation by church tradition that this is Peter's house. They built a, a, a church over it. Uh, that's supposed to look like a boat, uh, and and we'll see that in just a minute. But that's right here on the on the the the, the northern side of the the Sea of Galilee. Right here, right here, you're going to find a church area, and it's also it's also the the mount where Jesus uh, gave the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are how many of y'all know what I'm talking about right there? Okay, do y'all see the proximity here? Matter of fact. And, and you'll see from the picture I'm going to show you in just a minute, I'm standing right, right here by the, on the outside of this parking lot. This is the parking lot, by the way, where I told you before that I was standing and, and looking at all those buses with all the different flags and the nationalities and just seeing how God is drawing everybody to him. That's in that parking lot right there. So here I am, here I am sitting up here. Uh, sitting up here looking down. This is a mountain. I know it doesn't look like that. It looks like everything's just flat right there, but this is on a mountain looking down uh, to the Sea of Galilee. Over here is, is, is Peter's area. Right here we came out, we, uh, uh, came out on the boat and, and went out on the Sea of Galilee, blah, blah, blah. Okay, all right. So if this, may, if this makes sense, say amen. amen. Everybody see that? Okay, look at the next picture. <clears throat> all right, a little faster. <clears throat> You got it? Is it going to work? Okay. All right. This is a church. This is a church that is right on top of the mount. This is supposed to be, by church tradition, built over uh, uh, the, the very spot where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. All right? And, and if you was to see here... Uh, this was the very first place where I felt something. You know, I, I, I was always told my whole life, oh boy, when you go to the Holy Land, when you go, boy, you just can't even explain it. Man, you're just going to feel God like it's just, and you just hear that stuff over and over and over. And it seemed like up until this point, I wasn't feeling nothing. <clears throat> and I, I guess I'm just too skeptical or whatever it is, but I'm not a real spooky type person. I mean, it, it, it's just that way. But here, when, when I got here, there was something about this place. Uh, uh, man, the, the breeze was blowing. There was grass. Uh, you know, there was actually trees and flowers. It, it was the most beautiful place we had been so far. All right, go to the next one. Go to the next one. Can you see it now? The, these flowers were everywhere on top of this hill. We're on top of the mount. This is, this is looking down. You can see the Sea of Galilee. You can see the Sea of Galilee. And then the mountains back here. Uh, uh, on the other side is the Golan Heights. If you ever wonder where that is, that's on the other side there. And on the other side would be where the Gadara 
the man that was running around in the tombs, you know, uh, with demons and the new dude in a rude mood. Amen. That's on the other side. That that's on the other side of the water right there. So we're looking down. We're looking down from the uh, where the Sermon on the Mount was given. Okay, next. Here's a video. This will kind of give you an idea. There's no sound to it, but if you had the sound, you'd hear them birds chirping, and I'm telling you, it's beautiful. Is it not beautiful? Is it beautiful? Okay. Now, now go to the next one. Here's, here's a still shot. All right. And then you can see the Sea of Galilee down there. All this is going to make sense. I'm doing this for a reason, on purpose. Okay, go to the next one. See the Sea of Galilee? Here's a cool video. Here are the birds. That's the first place I heard birds chirping in all of Israel. All right. Now go to the next one. Okay, here's, here's on the boat. We're on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. All right. Keep on. All right. You see this? See this little... L-shaped looking mountain, right on the other side of that was the Jesus Pass. That is where Jesus would come down from Jerusalem, down through the mountains, down through to the Sea of Galilee. And right on the other side of that little L-shaped mountain, and then would come down to Capernaum. Okay, right up there is, is the, where the Sermon on the Mount is. Right up at the top, the little green spot. Can you see all the desert? Can you see all the desert? And then there's a, this lush green spot. That's, that's, that's why they would gather there. That's why they would teach there. It was cool. There was grass to sit on. It wasn't rocks. It wasn't sand. So it was a perfect spot for Jesus to spend time and teach his disciples and whoever else was following there. So that makes sense. Say amen. Here's the Peter's fish that I did not eat. <clears throat> I got shish kebabs that day, amen. But that, that would be the type of fish, that would be the type of fish they were catching, okay? All right, this is the ruins of, of Capernaum right there where Peter's village would have been, where, where Jesus would have met Peter, uh, James, and John uh, in this area, okay? All right, this is, this is the church, this is the church that's built over top of speculating uh, where Peter's house, where Peter lived. That's just speculation, but by church tradition, this is where they believe that was, okay? All right, this is right outside. This is right outside of that house. This is just a little uh, a standing, sitting area. But do but you see how close it is to the Sea of Galilee? He lived right on the Sea of Galilee, okay? That's a picture of, of right outside of Peter's village looking out at the Sea of Galilee. There's another picture. There's a handsome fellow. Okay, this is, a, this is right outside of Peter's house, right on the Sea of Galilee. I think that's the last one. Is that the last one? Okay, now, you say, why, why is this important? Let's, let's, jump into our, let's jump into our outline, and then you'll see why this is important, why you see the, the mountain area and why you see the Sea of Galilee, okay? Now, here's some things I want to show you. Peter is, in this particular chapter, he's dealt with primarily. Uh, if you'll remember, Peter has denied the Lord, correct? 
Now, there has, been, there has been a private meeting with Jesus and with Peter before this point takes place that we're reading about. Nothing's written about it. Nothing is said about it, it just for, except for the fact that it took place and it happened. Uh, but Peter's denial was very public. It was very public. Uh, in other words, when he messed up, a lot of people saw it. And so Jesus had to fix that. He had to deal with that. Uh, he had to restore. It was a public uh, denial, so there had to be a public restoration. And so we're going to get in that. We, we're not going to be able to get into it tonight, but that's part of the reason that this chapter has been given to us so we can study it and look at it. But there's a whole lot more to this story than just I'm going fishing. When we say, when we say I'm going fishing, uh, when we say that, that means we're going to go get in a boat Maybe we're going to run out to Smith Lake and spend a couple hours and try to catch a bass and try to have a little fun, uh, spend a little time, or maybe go uh, catch some crappie in, in, in the spring when they're, they're in the trees and maybe get something to eat. But we're not saying we're going to go into the fishing business. Do y'all understand that? Say amen. When Peter said, I go a fishing, when he said, I go a fishing, he was saying this, I'm going back into the business of fishing. How many of y'all remember that he used to be a commercial fisherman? Now, if you told me you were going fishing, I would think, okay, you're going to run up to Smith Lake and you're going to have a good time and then you're going to go back to the real world, right? Now, my aunt is a commercial fisherman. My aunt and my Uncle Woody's a, a commercial fisherman on Lake Okeechobee and they've been that for uh, as long as I've been alive. And, and, and so if, if my Aunt Jen were to say, we're going fishing, I know what she's talking about. They're going to put out trot lines, and they're going to catch catfish, and they're going to catch them catfish, and they're going to take them to the fish house and sell them catfish because that's how they pay the bills. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, that is what Peter is talking about. That's what he's talking about. There's more to this. He's saying, I'm going back to the way it was. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> here's the thing. We've got to understand this. There's something wrong with that. Why did that take place? Why is that going on? I mean, here's, here's the deal. All right, if you take a note, write this down. There's, there's going to be three parts of this chapter. There's going to be three parts of this chapter. First part is from verses 1 through 14, Peter rebuked. And then 15 through 17 will be Peter restored. And then uh, 18 through 25 will be Peter reminded, all right? So the next, maybe next week we can do both of them together or however the Lord does that, that's fine. But here's what I want you to write down under Peter rebuke. Here, here's the first thing I want you to write down. I want you to see his instruction. We're going to see why this is such a bad deal, why this, this, is, this is a bad deal. When he says, I go a fishing, why is this such a serious, serious thing? And why is it a bad deal? If you will look this, look at his instruction. Where do we get his instruction? If you look in Matthew 4, it's right in your notes. You don't have to look it up, but in your notes, it says this, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. There's two things that I want you to look at. Uh, number one, his purpose. His purpose, okay? Write that down in the notes. His purpose. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me. Say it with me. He said, And I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway, what? Left their nets and... Okay, for three and a half years... 
for three and a half years. They have forsaken their nets. They have not been fishing in the Sea of Galilee. They have not been doing their old thing because Jesus come to them and Jesus called them. Jesus changed them. Jesus commissioned them. And he said, from now on, boys, you're not going to be fishing for fish. You're going to be fishing for you have a new calling, you have a new career, you have a new purpose, you have a new... Uh, listen, this is important. Follow me. Right? So they ain't, got, they ain't got no business being in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Amen. Now watch the second thing. This is where the pictures are going to make sense. We not only see his purpose, he's supposed to be finding men. He's supposed to be bringing people to Jesus and reflecting and being a witness. But, but really, he's supposed to be in a place. So we see the second thing, not only his purpose, but his position. His position. Matthew 28, 13. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. And other, if you can, if you can, put that, that, that very first picture up, the, the, the map picture. It says in Matthew 28, 13, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. In other words, this is right after the resurrection, right? This is right after the resurrection. Jesus told all of them to tell his disciples to go to Galilee, all right? But he was more specific. He was more specific. Look what it says in Matthew 28, 13. Then the 11 disciples went away into into a mountain. Say it with me. Into a where Jesus had appointed. There, he first he says, go to Galilee, but not just to Galilee, but go to a certain mountain. Now, I believe, I believe with all my heart that that mountain was the same mountain where Jesus done much of his teaching right here. This is where the flowers were. This was where the birds were tweeting, tweeter and tweeter and tweeter. Say amen. This is where he did a, a whole lot of his teaching in his ministry. I believe this is the mountain that he was on when he looked down and he sent his disciples over on the other side and the storm came up and he was up in the mountain praying all by himself and then came down walking on the sea. I believe that's it. I believe that's it. Now here's the thing. This is the significant part. This is the significant part. All right? In Jerusalem, you remember, Jerusalem's way down south. He says, now go back to Galilee. Go back to where I first found you and first called you and, and first commissioned you. Go back there, and I'm going to show myself to you at a certain mountain. Now, let's use this. You say, preacher, I don't believe it's that mountain. Fine, no problem. You don't have to believe it's that mountain. But it's a mountain, and it wasn't down here. What's the point? What are they doing at the beach? They are supposed to be in the... Now, I don't know if you're going to use that next year for your vacation. But them boys ain't supposed to be at the beach. They're not supposed to be at the sea. They're supposed to be on the mountain. It's amazing how much trouble we can get into when we're not where we're supposed to be. It's amazing what we miss when we're not where we're supposed to be. 
Amen. So, does this make sense now? I believe, and it may not, it may not be that mountain. It may not be that mountain. But that's one of the most important ones in that area uh, that, that, that you see. I believe that's it. But it, even if it's not, they were not where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be in that certain mountain and not on the seashore. Okay? If that makes sense, say amen. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. Go, go to number two. His instruction. Why is this so significant? Why is this so important? Why is this such a big deal that Peter says, hey, I'm going back fishing? Well, number one, you're not supposed to be doing that. Now, listen, you have been called to be a fisher of men. Your life is different. Your calling is different. Not only that, not only are you not a commercial fisherman anymore, you have been called to follow Christ and fish for men, but you're supposed to be in a mountain. You don't have no business being down here. All right? Say amen. amen. Okay? That was his instruction. That's what God told him. That's what he was instructed to do in the very beginning of his ministry. You're to be a fisher of men. And then after Jesus resurrected, you're supposed to go to a certain mountain in Galilee. Okay? Everybody with me? Number two. <clears throat> Number two. So you should have A, one, and two. You should have instruction, his instruction, which has to do with his purpose and his position. Is that what you got? Okay, number two, or B. I want you to see not only his instruction, but I want you to see his impatience. His impatience. Am I preaching to anybody? <laughs> All right, they were told, go to Galilee, go to a certain mountain, and wait. I'm going to preach one day on the subject weight training. W-A-I-T, not the other. And all God's people say it. How many of y'all have been put through some weight training with God before? How many of y'all been in a hurry when God wasn't? Man, he got impatient. Maybe, maybe... Maybe sitting there on that mountain where I was sitting or some mountain there, he could see that water. Maybe, maybe he was so close to home. But what about this? Think about this. Maybe, maybe this is it. For three and a half years, Jesus has fed them. Jesus has provided for them. Jesus basically has clothed them. Everywhere Jesus went, Jesus took care of them. Jesus comforted them when they, were, when they were afraid. Jesus fed them when they were hungry. Listen, when it came time to pay taxes, Jesus miraculously made that happen. In other words, Jesus did everything. For three and a half years, their livelihood was following Jesus. Their livelihood was listening to Jesus. Their livelihood was being obedient to Jesus. But Jesus is nowhere around what are we going to do now? How are we going to eat now? How are we going to take care of our families now? I know, I know, <laughs> I know the Catholics think that, that Peter was the first pope and, 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 and he wasn't married, but he was married. He had a family. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. That's why Peter denied him. Say amen. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
I'm sorry, that's what our guide, the little jokey, told while we was at Peter's house, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but y'all caught it a whole lot quicker than they did. My whole clan was like, what? <laughs> I'm rolling in the floor laughing, and they're just standing like, what's his problem? You know, he denied the Lord. <laughs> here, here they are with families. Here they are with responsibilities now. And think about it this way. This is, this is a crude way of saying it, but and their meal ticket is gone. The just shall live by faith. How many of y'all know that's a whole lot easier said than done? Man, we could come in here, living by faith in Jesus above. And then that sounds real good. And that sounds real easy here and, and easy to do. But when them bills come and you ain't got it. Living by faith. Matter of fact, let me tell you this. Living by faith is easier, excuse me, harder than getting saved by faith. Getting saved was the easy part. It's that living part. What are we going to do now? How are we going to feed the, the family now? How, did, didn't Jesus say right before the crucifixion, he said, now look, guys, after I'm gone, y'all pray. You ask anything in the Father's name, and I'm going to take care. I'm going to, right? He said, I'll answer your prayer. I'll provide for you. But this is the first time in three and a half years they're on their own. Now, technically, Jesus hasn't ascended yet, but they're on their own because Jesus is not there in bodily form. Jesus is not there to take a little lad's lunch and feed thousands. Jesus is not there to... And he gets impatient. And usually what we do as children of God, as believers in Christ... When it comes time to live by faith, a lot of times we fall back on the familiar. We fall back on what we know. We fall back on what we used to be good at. Maybe, maybe it was fear. Maybe it was a lack of faith. Maybe it was just Maybe it was just frustration over failing to be a good disciple. Maybe, he's, maybe Peter's living with, with guilt. Maybe all Peter can remember is his denial after his adamant, his adamant uh, uh, proclamation that he loves Jesus more than everybody else and I will never deny you. Maybe he's struggling with that. Peter's having a hard time. Peter's a struggling man right now. And he said, I'm, I wasn't a very good disciple, but I know how to fish. Sometimes, guys, when God's got us waiting, we think we got to help him. And I'm going to just tell you right now, when you act when you should be waiting, ooh, 
When you get in a hurry and God's not, when you get impatient, you'll do the wrong things. When you get impatient, you'll marry the wrong people. When you get impatient, you'll make some of the worst decisions of your life. Well, I just want, hey, how many of y'all remember a man by the name Abraham? God promised him a son. Some time went by, and he was, what was he doing? Waiting. Well, God didn't move in the timetable that he thought he ought to, so he's going to help God. And here come Ishmael. And it's caused the Jewish people grief ever since. You're talking about getting in a mess. How about the nation of Israel? And they went to the city of Ai with Joshua. They didn't wait on God. They didn't even talk to God. They just went on up and they got whipped. I want to be married. Let me tell you something. You'd rather be unmarried than married to the wrong one. I'm just telling you, you listen to me. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. He had more women than anybody. And he said it's better to dwell on the housetop than in a wide house with a brawling woman. Let me translate that. It's better to stay away. Don't get in no hurry when God's not. Well, I just need to do something. When in doubt, don't. That's some good advice. If you don't get nothing out of the service tonight, you put this in your memory banks. When in doubt, don't. He should have waited on God. Number one, he should have been on the mountain. Number two, he should have just trusted that God will do what he said he would do. If God said he's going to show up on that mountain, he's going to show up on that mountain. But how many of y'all are with me? It's easy for me to say this, but how many of y'all are with me? I can understand. I can understand the frustration with failure. I can understand the, the, the fear of maybe not being able to take care of your needs. And I just got to help God. I got to take matters into my own hands. I need to do this. I need to, hey, I need to, I need to, I need to do something about this. God's not moving at my speed. He's not moving as quick as I want him to move. He said, I go efficient. Here's the problem. We see his impatience, but then we see his influence. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, the other disciples, we also go with thee. So you see a I go and now you got a we go. You know what that tells me? That tells me this. You're not the only one that's going to pay for your stupidity. I can't, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me. Well, I'll tell you what, preacher, don't worry about me and decisions I make. I'm my own person. I live my own life. My, my mistakes only affect me. Not so. Not so. And especially not Peter because he was a designated leader. He was one of the three amigos, Peter, James, and John. He got to experience things that nobody else got to experience. God was trusting in him. God was expecting him to be a leader. 
He said, listen, Peter. You remember? Peter's the one that made the declaration. He's the one that made the declaration. We believe thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood, Jesus says to him, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Unto thee I give the keys of the kingdom. What you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What was the point of that? He was giving him the keys to the kingdom. He was going to unlock the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts 2 and the, 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 the Samaritans in Acts 8 and the Gentiles in Acts 10. He had a big job to do. He had great potential. But he got impatient. And because of his impatience, he influenced other people to make wrong decisions. He influenced other people to take wrong steps. Let's go back to Abraham. Let's go back to Abraham. Most of y'all remember Abraham and Lot. How many of y'all remember Abraham and Lot? You know, we know Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know Lot, there was a, there was a time when Abraham and Lot, they, their herds were so big, God's blessings was upon them in such an incredible way that, that they said, we got to separate. Uh, they're going to fight and fuss and we, we need to separate. Abraham, he was a seasoned man of God and he said, you pick whichever way you want to pick. You pick whichever direction you want to pick and I'll go the opposite way. And Lot, the Bible says, lifted up his eyes and he looked at the plains and he looked at the place direction toward Sodom and Gomorrah and they were well watered. And watch this. And it said it reminded him of Egypt. Now what's so significant about that? If you will, be, if you will go back and look at the beginning of Abraham's calling and Abraham's walk with God, God told him to leave his kinfolk and go to a place that he's going to show him. And he made him, he said, I'll, I'll promise you, I'll make you the sands of the sea and as the stars of the sky. You go to where I tell you. And the pl- first thing that happens when he gets to Canaan, the very first thing that happens when he gets to Canaan is there is a famine in the land. And because of that, he got scared. He got impatient. He lacked faith. And he said, I'm going to Egypt. And Egypt is always a type of the world. It's always a type of sin. He got down into Egypt got in trouble God got his attention and he got out of Egypt but he never got Egypt out of Lot and because of his impatience and his disobedience taking his nephew into Egypt when he left Listen, Lot could not shake what Egypt looked like. Lot could not shake the big city life. Lot could not shake that. And he went to the place that reminded him of Egypt and everybody knows the rest of the story. Abraham came out of Egypt okay, unscathed, but he lost his nephew in the process. Lot Lot lost everything he had. What's the point of that? Be careful where you go. Be careful where you take your children. Be careful where you take people that you have influence over because it may not affect you, but it may greatly affect those that you have influence over. Hmm. Influence. Everybody's got it. I don't have influence. Yes, you do. If you're breathing air, you have influence. Good or bad. It's like an attitude. Everybody's got an attitude. You hear people say, he got an attitude. No, everybody's got an attitude. He just happens to have a bad one. You wake up with one, you go to bed with one. You either wake up with a good one or a bad one. And your influence can be good or it can be bad. 
I go fishing. Sad, sad words. Say it. We, we. It was multiple. We go also. Seemed like a cool deal. Ain't no big deal. They got in the boat. You remember, you remember the first stupid thing you did after you got saved? Some of y'all got to think hard because it's been a while. Remember when you first got saved how sensitive you was to the Holy Spirit? And, 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 and you, you, went, you was about to do something ignorant and you... You was waiting for the Lord to just throw that lightning bolt down. Because you felt that conviction. But there was no lightning bolt that came. So we thought we got away with it. I can imagine them. I can imagine them disciples. <clears throat> maybe gingerly going with him. Come on, use your imagination. Get with me, people. They know they don't belong there. They know they're supposed to be on the mountain. Don't act like you don't know you're doing something stupid when you're doing something stupid. You know. Come on. Now listen, this ain't Sunday, y'all. I know who I'm preaching to. Take your halos out and put them in your pocket. Bunch of self-righteous, boy, I tell you what. Am I telling the truth? Now they're in, they're fishing a while. Don't seem like no big deal. And then just as a little time goes by, it's just like normal. Right back into the same groove. It's like we never quit. It's never like those three years never happened. All those miracles that took place. Hey, but there's only one problem. We ain't catching nothing. And that is because of the next point. What was the first point? We see Peter's instruction. Point B or letter B, whatever. We see Peter's impatience. Then we see Peter's influence. But now I want you to see Peter's intervention. His intervention. <clears throat> What's the point? If you are a child of God and you've got ignorant on him, he's coming. Charismatics get all sideways with me all the time. Methodists do for that matter too because I've preached in a Methodist church my senior year in Bible college. They didn't have no preacher and I wanted to preach and, 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 and they would let me come. I said, as long as you let me preach the doctrine I believe, no problem. <clears throat> That's how bad a shape they in. <laughs> Man, we had a time. Whole senior year in Bible college. And they, 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 they believe that, you know, this is what they would say. And this is what I hear all the time. You Baptists just believe you can just do anything you want to do after you get saved and everything's all right. I, I'm like, what church did you go to? 
Because the preaching I got and the Bible I read tells me that if you get saved and you're a child of God and you get ignorant on God, he's going to beat your britches off. My Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. As a father would his son, he chasteneth, he chasteneth. That's a whooping, y'all. He scourgeth. That's a bad whooping. Are y'all with me? There where they should not belong, doing what they should not be doing, fish all night long and are not successful, and somebody is waiting on the shore for them in the morning. You can drift on God. You can backslide on God. You can get away from God. But honey, let me tell you something. That night is going to come to an end, and in the morning, you're going to have to face Jesus. This is, I'm going to translate to King James. In Alabama dialect. Jesus is on the shore and they done fish all night. How many fishermen we got in the house? Fishermen, raise your hand, don't be ashamed. Fishermen, fishermen. How many of y'all have ever fished for a long time and caught nothing? How many of y'all have ever heard of curse like a sailor? That is coming from people who fish all night long and catch nothing. Do I have a witness, Griggs? I'm telling you, I'm going to get right in your lap tonight. You know I'm preaching. You fish and you fish and you fish and you're frustrated because you've worked and you've worked and you've toiled and you've thrown the nets and dragged the nets and thrown the nets. By the time the morning comes, you wore out. And here's Jesus on the shore. Alabama translation. Hey, y'all! Y'all got anything? If you're a true fisherman and your live well is empty and you hear somebody say that, it's like a knife right to the heart. I'm going to translate what they said. Now we ain't got nothing. Let me give you a little teaching right here. Let me tell you, how many of y'all believe that they were frustrated? How many of y'all believe they were aggravated? How many of y'all believe they were unhappy? You me tell you who the most frustrated, the most aggravated, the most unhappy person is? Is the saved person backslidden on God. It is the saved person who is out of the will of God, who's not where they should be, not doing what they should be doing because they can't go back to what they used to be and be happy anymore because they got the Holy Ghost in them. They can go back to the bar, but the beer don't taste the same. The dancing don't feel the same. The old activities aren't the same anymore. I'm doing what I used to do, but it don't do nothing for me anymore. Man, I need some time. Amen. They caught. Now, why'd they catch nothing? The intervention. Write this down. 
This is so good. I had so much fun writing this outline. They caught. Why? Because there was somebody controlling the fish. There was somebody controlling the fish. I know what you're thinking. What? He's controlling them. All night long, little fishy, little fishy, he was fishing, get in the net, and the Holy Ghost said, uh-uh! Back it up, son. Well, come on, preacher. Don't come on preaching me. I'm talking about the one who stood on the bow of a boat in the raging storm, hurricane weather, and said, peace be still. If he can control the wind and he can control the waves and he can kick demons out of people and he can raise the dead, he can tell that Peter's fish to stay out of Peter's net. Somebody's controlling the fish. What is that point? There's somebody, if you backslide on God and you belong to God, somebody's going to be controlling your life. You're not in charge anymore. Go on ahead. Go ahead, leave God, leave where you're supposed to be. Go try to do what you used to do. But there's going to be somebody controlling, and it ain't you. He's controlling the fish. Then, write this down. Hurry, hurry, hurry. He intervenes by controlling the fish. He intervenes by confronting the failure. (laughs) God will come into your life and he will look at you in your backslidden state, in your backslidden place, seeing you doing what you shouldn't be doing, where you shouldn't be doing it, and he'll just sneak up right beside you, put his arm around you, and this is what he'll say, how's that working for you? (laughs) Do you realize that's exactly what he asked them? You're out there fishing. You should be on the mountain. You should be waiting on me. How's it working for you? That's what he said. Why why are y'all looking at me? That's what he said. Right? Have you caught any fish? Let's translate it to how we talk. How's that working for you? How's that decision you made to go back to what you used to do? If the truth be known, he just had to say, pretty frustrating right now. And you know what? Standing on the mountain looking down at the sea, the devil's going to make what you used to do look very appealing. And like it's, we can just step right in. It'll be like riding a bicycle. We can just step right in right where we stepped out. And, and he'll fool you and you'll get down there and you'll find out you fish all night and catch nothing. Because that's not where you're supposed to be anymore. And all God's people say it. Amen. He controlled the fish. And then number two, he intervened by, con- by confronting the failure. That's verse four and five. And then number three, by convincing the faithless. He said, guys, y'all cast on the other side. If you fished all night long and you caught nothing by the morning, you don't want to fish no more. Cast on the other side. They throw the nets. 
and here come the fish. I think there's a whole lot more to this that Jesus was trying to do with them. As soon as they do this, you say, why is that so important? Because if you'll remember, <clears throat> if you'll remember the first time Peter run into Jesus, he, he got into Peter's boat and said, said, let me teach from here. And he taught from the boat. And then he said, cast out into the deep and let down your nets. And, and they, was, they, they caught so many fish, you know, that the, 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 the neck began to break and, and it filled up both, both ships and they began to sink. I mean, this is Jesus' first experience with Peter, Peter's first experience with in, in, a, in a supernatural form, in a miraculous form. I mean, it was so powerful that Peter said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Because they saw Jesus like he really was. And this was almost a perfect parallel. There's something to this. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to keep digging and find out. But in the first part, in the first time that Jesus was with him, the net break. This time it didn't. I don't know what that means. Maybe it don't mean anything, but I thought that was kind of cool. And John says, Pete, oh, Pete, it's the Lord. Man, he just grabbed his coat. And pew. He said, That's just Peter. Can I come out and walk on the water? He's so impulsive, so he just bails off, and he heads to shore. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the looks on the faces of the disciples? Maybe the look on the face of Peter as he's coming up on the shore, and there's Jesus. Y'all know what it's like. It, it, it's, it's like when you came home with that bad report card. You knew you had to go home, but you didn't want to. Oh, man. And by the way, <clears throat> this was even after the private meeting that Jesus and Peter had. He still got ignorant. That means we got hope, guys. Still messing up. But here's the cool part. The last word, let's see my time. The last word is there's an invitation. After the intervention, there is an invitation. They get to the shore. I don't know if you've ever fished all night long, but there's another thing that happens. You're frustrated, you're tired, you're wore out, and you're hungry. <laughs> Amen? And they get to shore. And here's, here's grilled fish and bread. Wow. Wow. And this is the invitation. Come and dine, guys. I know you're hungry. Come on. Bring that net up. Bring them fishes in. Come on, get you something to eat. 
And, and it, it, by the way it's worded, by the way it's worded, if you look at it in the next verse, by the way it's worded, the Bible says Jesus is coming down. All right, they've seen the coal, they've seen the fish, they've seen the bread, and he says, come get you something to eat. Well, then Jesus has to go get the fish and the bread and go take it to them. I believe, I believe they're embarrassed. I believe they're ashamed. And by the way, when you're backslidden on God, you will be ashamed. If you're not ashamed, then, then you're, you're probably not even saved. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You know Jesus is saying, come on. Jesus got his arms wide. And by the way, guys, if you're here today and you are backslidden and you're not where you're supposed to be and you're doing things you're not supposed to do, you have a Savior whose arms are wide open and he's saying, come on. I know it's embarrassing. I know it feels shameful. I know you regret the decision you made. I know you regret the actions that you took, but there is a Savior who will forgive you. Come, listen, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what I see here on this shore? When I see that bread and I see that fish and I see Jesus' actions toward them, he had every right to chew them out. He had every right to disown them. He had every right to turn Turned them out, but he gave them mercy. Come and die. (laughs) You wonder why I like Peter so good? He's just a good old boy. He means well, but man, he makes mistakes. And he's got a Savior. Who should have kicked him in the teeth. Jesus should have drop kicked him like a wrestler. He denied him three times. Even after Jesus told him he would. And not only that, but the Bible says that Peter got angry at Jesus and got vehement with Jesus when Jesus was trying to tell him the truth. Yet, Look at me, guys. Y'all, y'all starting folding papers and you're not looking at me. Why aren't you looking at me? I'm not done yet. I ain't going to give you no more papers no more. Mm-hmm. I got video right up here. I'm going to see everyone. I'm going to check it out tomorrow. I'm going to, uh-huh, that one right there. You ain't getting one. You ain't getting one. I want all of my time. Jesus had mercy. You know what? Jesus could have just as well showed up on the mountain and left them. Think about that. Jesus told them where to go. Jesus even specified the mountain they're supposed to be on. And he could have showed up and said, hey, they should have been here. But he didn't. Think about this, guys. Nobody likes a whooping. Right? Help me now. If you can't say amen, you didn't get them like I got them. Nobody likes a whooping. Nobody likes correction. 
But this is the way we need to look at it. It's an act of love. You know what? It's a, it's a, it's a fact. Parents that do not correct their children have children with issues. And those issues are security issues because they don't feel loved. Well, my parents just, they don't care. But Jesus showing up on that shore, yep, they got it. And they felt ashamed and they felt convicted. And they were frustrated because their life just didn't turn out, their decision just didn't turn out the way. But they found mercy. And here's one more thing. I know it's late, but here's one more thing. There's, some, there's a truth that you need to get out of this that I don't hear taught. I don't know if I've ever heard it taught. But for the first time in three and a half years, they're on their own. And they're scared. And their faith is wobbly. And Jesus came to prove a point. Nikki Joey came to prove a point. All right. They went out there with those nets with their own power, their own ability, their own talent, their own skills, and call nothing. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. And they take one action. That's obey him. And everything, watch this now, guys. They wasn't fishing for the fun of it. They were fishing to pay the bills. They're worried. Now, we're going to have to take care of ourselves now. We're on our own. Jesus shows up. All they do is obey what Jesus said. And Jesus gave them enough to separate between all of them and go pay the bills. And this is what Jesus is teaching them through this. If we go back to John 15... We go back to John 15. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me, and I abide in you. You shall bear much fruit. Without, watch this now, without me, ye can do. You know what Jesus is telling them? Without me, ye can do. Say it again. Without me, ye can do. But you know what Philippians says? I can do through Woo! Jesus is saying look guys I got you back I know you I know this journey and by the way we got to cut them just a little bit of slack because they don't have the Holy Ghost yet Pentecost hasn't taken place yet. They haven't received that power and that unction from, y'all with me? But he's showing them, I got this. I got this. I'm going to take care of you. Go do what I told you to do. Church, say amen. amen. Next week, we're going we're to look at the confrontation, the rebuke, the, the, actually, it's not even really the rebuke. It's the restoration of Peter. And that's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. Church, amen. amen. All right. Well, let's pray and we'll go home. Lord, thank you.